This is The Open Word with Pastor David Landry. David is the senior pastor of Calvary Chapel Casa Grande in Casa Grande, Arizona. Beloved, whatever scruples there are, whatever principles there are, whatever directions that uh, you might have within your own life or lack thereof, you and I need to understand that Calvary covers it all. Calvary covers it all. So if I have a brother who says, no, you must meet on Saturday, he's still my brother just because he meets on Saturday. It's no big deal. Have you ever allowed your personal opinions to get in between your relationship with other believers? Pastor David will be showing you how God desires your love for him and for others rather than how holy you appear to be. Jesus said, And this is how the world will know you are my disciples, by the love you have for one another. Encourage other believers to live for the Lord, but don't force-feed your opinions on them. Make disciples of Jesus, not disciples after yourself. Let's join Pastor David in the book of Romans, chapter 14, verse 5, with our continuing study entitled, Liberty and Love. In verse 5, Paul says, One person esteems one day above another, another esteems every day alike. Let each be fully convinced of his own mind. He who observes the day observes it to the Lord. He who does not observe the day to the Lord, he does not observe it. He who eats, eats to the Lord, for he gives God thanks. And he who does not eat to the Lord, he does not eat and gives God thanks thanks. You know what? There are some people who are truly born-again believers in Jesus Christ, and they believe that we need to be worshiping on Saturday because God did not do away with that commandment. They said, if God didn't do away with that commandment, then we need to worship on Saturday. And if you worship on Sunday, you're doing it wrong. And yet the early century church, from the very beginning, began worshiping as a celebration of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And to be under the law that says, no, I have to do it on Saturday, puts a bondage on the people. Now, some, even in Christianity, say, well, what we have done is we, it's no longer Saturday that is the Sabbath. Sunday is now the Sabbath. And so we've changed and we've now bring Sunday. As a matter of fact, the Puritans were very good at that, that Sunday is the Sabbath. And they maintained just as strict a rules and regulations in their lives as the Jews did. You know what they did? They took the law of one day and simply shifted it to another day. And I'm still under the law. I've just changed the days. And what Paul is saying, hey, it's not about the days. One day is not more special than the other. In Christ, every day is blessed. Every day is holy. Every day should be a time of worship. We come together as the church, as the Christian church, in celebration of the risen Lord, to be instructed, to be challenged, to be corrected, to be a blessing to each other. We come together in worship, not because it's the law. He goes on in verse 7, he says, For none of us lives to himself, and no one dies to himself. For if we live, we live to the Lord. And if we die, we die to the Lord. Therefore, whether we live or die, we are the Lord's. For to this end, Christ died and rose and lived again, and that he might be Lord of both the dead and the living. 
Beloved, whatever scruples there are, whatever principles there are, whatever directions that uh, you might have within your own life or lack thereof, you and I need to understand that Calvary covers it all. Calvary covers it all. So if I have a brother who says, no, you must meet on Saturday, He's still my brother just because he meets on Saturday. It's no big deal. If I have a brother that says, hey, uh, on, on the Sabbath day or uh, that Sunday is the new Sabbath day and that you need to maintain a Sabbath structure within your life, that's okay for him. He's still my brother. I don't necessarily have to agree with that. But again, in looking and seeing the fact that, man, it's Calvary. It's Jesus Christ. It's the focus of God in our life. Not, again, the rules and the regulations. It's our relationship with Him that is the big matter here. And you know what? That's the rub, isn't it? Because many times it's a whole lot easier for you and I to put structures and rules either on ourselves or on someone else and saying that because I maintain the structures and the rules that I'm doing okay with God rather than realize, no, it's a relationship that God wants with us, not structure and rules. Is Jesus Christ really and truly the Lord of your life? Or are you simply living it for your own self-pleasure or under the rules and the commands of somebody else that says, this is what holy life looks like? Real understanding of piety to know what piety is. It's not how holy you may seem to be, but how much you truly love the Savior. You see, piety is loving Him, not admiring yourself. I can look in the mirror and I can say, I don't smoke, I don't chew, I don't go with girls that do. And I can talk about all the holiness and the righteousness of my own life as I look in the mirror. And I can look in there and say, man, I am a really holy dude. But you know what? It's not a mirror that's going to be able to tell me that. Because the mirror doesn't get to the heart of the matter. You see, it's the heart of the matter that speaks about the reality of purity and piety in our lives. Not what we see on the outside. Will the outside change? Of course it will change. But we don't change from the outside in, beloved. We change from the inside out. Well, essentially, Paul's answer is, stop worrying about your brother. You have enough to answer for for yourself before Jesus. Amen? You see, I don't need to go around being the moral police. I've got enough to deal with in my own life. Now, I understand, man, the, the Word of God, we, we come, we bring instruction, we bring correction, we bring, uh, again, the, the teaching of the Word to our lives. But, beloved, understand that it's not the conforming of a man that you need in your life. It's the transforming of your life and your mind and your heart through Jesus Christ. That's why Paul says in verse 10, Why do you judge your brother? Or why do you show contempt for your brother? For we shall all stand before the judgment seat of Christ. Now, if you underline your Bible, if you mark it up, and I encourage you to, and again, if you don't do it on yours, then mark it on the person's next to you. But the thing that you need to understand, that you need to highlight in this verse, is not judgment seat of Christ. 
The thing that you need to highlight and understand is we shall all stand. All of us. Every one of us. Even those of us that think that, man, I'm doing everything right and on the outside everything looks so good. Paul says we're all going to stand before that judgment seat of Christ. What is that judgment seat? Well, along the coast of Israel, along the Mediterranean, they've uncovered the city of Caesarea Maritima. Caesarea Maritima was built by Herod the Great between 25 and 13 B.C. It was a great place, uh, just absolutely beautiful probably in its day. Now, they've also excavated at that place the, the ruins of an ancient amphitheater and what's called the Hippodrome. And the Hippodrome was the, the sporting arena. They would have the chariot races around there. They would have gladiator fights. They would do all kinds of things in that Hippodrome. A little bit different than a Colosseum, different kind of shape, different kind of work, but there it is called the Hippodrome. Well, there today, you can go there and you can see they're showing on the Hippodrome. There's a prominent place there in the Hippodrome that's called the Bema seat, the Bema seat. And what the Bema seat was, was the place where the judge of the event sat during the contest. And the seat was primarily for the judging of these sporting events. It was a seat where they would sit, and as the sporting event continued on, at the end of the event, the winners of the event would then approach the Bema seat, and then the judge sitting at the Bema seat would then give the awards to those who were winners. Now, beloved, they all ran, but some of them received a reward. And that's what Paul is speaking about with this Bema seat. It was a place of rewards. He says in verse 11, it's written, as I live, says the Lord, every knee shall bow to me, every tongue shall confess to God. So then each of us shall give account of himself to God. And he's speaking to believers. There's going to come a time that each of us, even as believers, we're going to stand before our Lord and Master, Jesus Christ, at that judgment seat, at that Bema seat. And it's at that point in time that the judgment of our works and deeds as a believer will be laid bare. At that point in time, we'll receive wards for those deeds that are worthy of it. That's not the judgment seat of our salvation. It is the seat of rewards. Each of us are going to give an account. Paul speaks about it in 1 Corinthians 3, verses 12 through 15, when he speaks to us and he says, Now if anyone builds on the foundation with gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, or stubble, each one's work will become clear. For the day, that judgment day, that coming before the Bama seat, for the day will declare it. Because it will be revealed by fire, and the fire will test each one's work of what sort it is. And if anyone's work which he has built on, if it endures, fine, he'll receive a reward. But if anyone's work is burnt up, he will suffer loss, but he himself will be saved, yet so as through fire. So understand, this judgment seat, the works that are unworthy, the wood, hay, and stubble, the things that I've done for my own desire, my own pleasure, or to please even someone else other than the Lord Jesus Christ, they're going to be burned up. The gold, the silver, the precious stone, the things that I've done to His glory and in His glory, honoring and esteeming and caring for others, those things are going to remain and endure. And for those, I'll receive the reward. When he speaks about that those who will suffer loss, again, you, under, you have to understand, 
He says, they themselves will be saved, though everything else will be burned up. For those that have done their lives, even as believers, again, for selfishness or in play, to please someone else because of the rules and regulations of man rather than under the direction and the leading of the Holy Spirit. They'll come and they'll have this big pile of ashes. And they'll lay that before the Lord. Say, what kind of a reward do I get for this? I don't believe any of us want to be in that place. We want to be able to look and say, hey, no, it's the gold, silver, and the precious stone. This is my works. This is what's there. I lay this at your feet. Paul continues on. We need to hurry on here. Therefore, in verse 13, let us not judge one another anymore, but rather resolve this, not to put a stumbling block or a cause to fall in our brother's way. I know and am convinced by the Lord Jesus that there is nothing unclean of itself, but to him who considers anything to be unclean, to him it is unclean. Do you understand what a revolutionary declaration this is for Paul? I have determined, I know and I'm convinced by the Lord Jesus that there is nothing unclean of itself. Man, that, that's, that's fanatical. For a guy that was raised as a Pharisee, a Jew of the Jews, and to come, suddenly come up and say, and it's not suddenly, but to come and say, hey, you know what? There's nothing unclean of itself. Why, the, Jew, the Jews had so many rules and regs. No, this is unclean, that's unclean, that's unclean. Well, that was clean, but now because it did that, now it's unclean. But in order to get it clean, you can do this to make it clean. No, they had tons of rules. But Paul says, no, there's nothing that's unclean in and of itself. Paul here states that for the believer that's been saved by faith through Jesus Christ, washed in the blood of the Lamb, abiding in the vine, that there's nothing that is unclean. He further states in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verses 23 and 24, he says, all things are lawful for me. Now we close our book, we go outside, and we say, great, the study's over. There's nothing unclean, and everything's lawful for me. So I can just go out and live anyway. No, 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 no. That's not what he's saying. That's not what I'm saying. Paul continues on in 1 Corinthians Chapter 10, he says, all things are lawful for me, but not all things are helpful. All things are lawful for me, but not all things edify. Let no one seek his own, but each one the other's well-being. You see, there's a tremendous amount of things in this world that you and I, as believers, we are free to be able to do and to live. But you know what? There's a tremendous amount of those things that are not good for us that don't strengthen us and would actually bring us down in our walk in the Lord. So being careful in our lives of knowing that in our freedom, I need to also look and see, man, is this going to edify? Is this going to be helpful? Or is it going to be harmful and destructive in my life? Oh, in and of itself, it's not unclean because I'm bought by the blood of the Lamb. But in how that is impacting my life, Jesus himself said, it's not what goes into the mouth that defiles a man. It's what that comes out of. And that's what we need to understand. That's what we need to grasp in what Paul is saying here today. Once we understand and see the balance, beloved, what a great freedom comes in our life. But with freedom comes a great responsibility. Our freedoms are not a license to lord it over someone who has differing principles 
and scruples, but neither is our freedom a license to licentiousness. You know what licentiousness is? You know, I've got a great definition for licentiousness. It's a short three-letter word called sin. But licentiousness sounds a lot more impressive, so you use those big words. You know, our freedom is not a license to sin, folks. But neither is it a license to go and lord it over somebody with differing principles or scruples. Both of us should be led by the Word of God and by the Spirit of God, and yet at the same time understand that there's differences even within the body of Christ. Even within the body of Christ, there's differences of understandings. There's differences of principles. And I don't have to say that, hey, there's, there's a difference between Calvary Chapel and uh, Foursquare Church. Oh, we know that there's differences there. But you know what? Even within our congregation this morning, there's differences of principles and scruples for some of you than there are for others. And we need to understand. Both of us are reading the same word. Both of us understanding, man, I believe that the word of God is inerrant and it is, you know, a good, again, good for uh, doctrine, for reproof and for correction and righteousness. And I receive it that way. And I know that we're both led by the Holy Spirit. But because of our background, because of our understanding, because of our own experiences, many of us have differing principles. Also, because of the differences even of maturity in Christ, there may be different principles and, and, and scruples within our lives. And that's what Paul is trying to bring bring home to us here. That's why he says in verse 15, yet if your brother is grieved because of your food, you're no longer walking in love. But let me take out food. Let me scratch that out and put in their freedoms or liberties. If your brother is grieved because of your freedoms, you're no longer walking in love. If your brother is grieved because of your liberties, you're no longer walking in love. And then he says these words, do not destroy with your freedoms or your liberties or with your food the one for whom Christ died. What a shame it would be that our freedoms would become something that would destroy the faith and the hope of a weaker brother or sister. That we would be able to come to them and say, hey, you know what, I'm free to do this, you ought to be free to do that, so hey, no big deal. Some of you that I know that you've placed upon yourself and uh, a very good thing says, you know what, I will not see any movie that's rated beyond G. I will never see another movie that's rated beyond G. And I have no problem with you declaring that. But I've seen some R-rated movies myself. I saw Schindler's List. It's an R-rated movie. I saw The Passion of the Christ. It's an R-rated movie. Now, that may cause you to stumble, and I'm not saying that today to cause you to stumble. What I'm saying is today is that within the same direction, the same leading, differing principles and differing scruples have differing places in differing people's lives. Some of you may have chosen within your families to not have a television at your home. Because, again, of all the garbage that's on TV. And I have absolutely no problem with that if you choose not to have a television for your own well-being. I have no problem. We have a television at our home. But we also have a remote control that controls what's on that TV. Another thing that controls what's on our TV is the fact that we have an antenna and we only get like three channels. So uh, (laughs) that helps, too. And then the other thing that helps is I give the remote to my wife. That way, and I'm sitting there looking at it kind of dumbfounded and says, well, 
how come that's all she has on? She said, you don't need to know, and quickly changes the channel. So, uh, again, differing areas and differing peoples. Does the Bible say, thou shalt not have a TV in your home? No. But neither does it say you need to have a TV in your home. So are you understanding what's going on and what Paul is saying? And can you relate it to where you're at today in your own life? The freedoms that we have, yes. But with the freedoms come great responsibility. Responsibility not only in our walk with the Lord, but our responsibility also in others. If I feel within my life that it is wrong to have a computer in your home because of all the pornography and the ease of pornography that's found there, and I come to you today and I say, you know what, none of you are allowed to have, if you're going to be a part of this church, you're not allowed to have a computer in your home, then I'm totally misconstruing and misdirecting what the Word of God speaks. I am going to warn you about the harm of things that are there and the damage that can be done. But let's go on because we need to finish. Therefore, verse 16, Do not let your good be spoken of as evil. For the kingdom of God is not eating and drinking, but righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. For he who serves Christ in these things is acceptable to God and approved by men. Therefore, let us pursue the things which make for peace and the things by which one may edify another. In the choices that you and I make, can you really say, that you're able to serve God in those choices. That's where it really comes to matter. Rather it be in the freedoms you express or even in the strictnesses that you observe. Rather it be in liberty or in law. Love has to rule over all of it. It has to cover all of our actions, all of our purposes. Love for Christ and our love for our brothers and sisters in Christ. Paul finishes up... 14 here, he says, do not destroy the work of God for the sake of, and again, your freedoms or your liberties. All things indeed are pure, but it's evil for the man who eats if it's an offense to him. It's good neither to eat meat nor drink wine nor do anything by which your brother stumbles or is offended or is made weak. Do you have faith? Have it to yourself before God. Happy is he who does not condemn himself in what he approves. But he who doubts is condemned if he eats, because he does not eat from faith, for whatever is not from faith is sin. Taken at face value of what Paul said just now, you would think that Paul became a vegetarian for the rest of his life. But I don't believe that that's the case. Paul simply says, you know what, it's good to not eat meat or to drink wine or do anything by which your brother stumbles or is offended or is made weak. And then he follows it up. Do you have faith? Have it to yourself before God. I feel we miss the point if we say, well, Paul says, man, then we're not going to do anything that will ever make a brother stumble. Because as I said before, there's going to be things that that it will. But you know what? Our efforts and our desires should be that in my life, in my relationship with you and before God, I'm going to make every effort that I can in the freedoms that I have not to cause you to stumble. I could rattle off a list of certain Christian do's and don'ts this morning. And in rattling off that Christian do's and don'ts, for some of you, I'm I'm going to offend you this morning. And for others of you, I'm going to give a great license to go out and sin. Well, pastor said it's okay, so I'm going to go do it. 
That's not the purpose of what this teaching is about. The purpose of this teaching is all about what Paul has said in all of this. Man, that again, it's our relationship with God, our love and care for those that are around us. That we're esteeming others over ourselves. And I'm seeking God with the fullness of my, of my heart. That my mind is being transformed. Again, for His glory. And for His honor. Thanks for joining us for today's edition of The Open Word. Pastor David will continue verse by verse through the book of Romans next time. It's been said that if a believer were to drop their Bible on the ground, it should fall open to the book of Romans. Why, you might ask? Because this book is packed full of doctrine that we truly need to grasp as believers in Jesus. Or maybe you're listening today and you haven't placed your faith in Jesus yet. We encourage you to continue tuning in Monday through Friday as Pastor David shares insights from this book. Pastor David will be teaching through this book with hopes that all those tuning in each day here on The Open Word would either be saved or be encouraged in their salvation. If you're like most people, you probably use a smartphone. Once you subscribe to The Open Word Podcast, you'll always have solid Bible teaching available to you anywhere, anytime. So log on to TheOpenWord.com and subscribe to The Open Word Podcast. And to become our Facebook friend or to follow the Open Word Twitter feed or to access the archive of messages, log on to theopenword.com. Well, that's all the time we have for today. We invite you to join us again for the next study of Pastor David's teaching through the book of Romans. That's next time on The Open Word.